Hey, this is Ryan Miller. I'm the lead pastor of Local City Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk encourages you, inspires you, and reminds you that there is always hope. That this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the message. As a part of these conversations on Prayer Sunday, I want to talk about prayer. Uh, I think it's just such a powerful tool. And, and if there's one thing um, that I think the, the enemy would try to rob us of or, or trick us into not believing could be as effective or, or powerful as something could be in our lives, I think it's prayer. I think if there's a, just that just little seed of doubt he can plant of like, you're just talking to air. Or, or is this really working? Or, no, that's a last resort. You, you try to fix it first. No, I, the priority of prayer is, no, we got to pray first. We got to believe in faith, and then God will move. I just believe that, and so that's why we, we spend so much time in prayer Sunday. But I hope this first 14 days of prayers and fasting have been good for you. Uh, we have seven days to go, and I'm excited to do this together. And I want to encourage you, we have one more uh, morning prayer on Wednesday at 6.30 at the HQ if you want to meet up. Uh, for that. Um, I know it's early. I know it's early, but I would just tell you one of the reasons why I'm so excited about uh, this topic this morning and why it's so near and dear to my heart is during the last 21 days of prayer, I committed to getting up really early uh, and praying, and it's something I never stopped doing. Uh, The 21 days just radically shifted that for me, and it's something I look forward to early in the morning when it's still dark and everything's calm, getting that time with God. And so uh, I'm excited. Uh, the, uh, the impetus for today's message came from Luke chapter 11, and uh, I just want to jump right in. I'm, I'm super excited. It says, on uh, a certain day, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And, and Pastor Ryan, if you've been here for a while, has taught about this. If not, you can go back in the archives. But there's several P's to prayer that he's taught about. One of them is priority, right? We've got to make prayer a priority. Jesus, we see that. He did this. And then you've got to have a place, right? That time and space that you set aside. You're like, no, I'm going to be committed to this conversation, this relationship, this intimacy with the Lord. But what I want to talk about today is the plan of prayer. I think sometimes like prayer can be so intimidating for us, especially when we're new in our faith or we feel stuck and we want to take a next step. I believe a lot of times that next step is going deeper in prayer, and yet we don't know where to go deeper, how to do it, and we struggle. And, and that struggle is not new, right? We, we see the disciples in Luke 11. I can just imagine them sitting around. I mean, these are, these are young men. These are Jews. They've been around the temple and prayer and rabbis and teachers, and, and they've seen prayer and they've seen different people doing this thing they call prayer, and yet they see Jesus in a certain place, go off to pray, and they have this conversation. I could just imagine Peter or James or John thinking, you know, I know I've heard about prayer, but I want to pray like that. Like, so how how do I do that? And, And they don't get intimidated too much to approach Jesus and say, like, hey, what? how do I do that? And, and so what Jesus says to them is very popular and is recorded in a couple of the Gospels. It's the Lord's Prayer. And if you've been in church, you've probably heard that before, our Father who art in heaven. And so he gives them this prayer. And, and it's not bad to pray that word for word. It's, this, it's a beautiful prayer. 
But I think what Jesus does in the way that it's written in the language, what he's really doing is he's providing an outline for the disciples, stations or, or, or topics that you can hit on the journey in your quiet time. And so one of the things that I want to share with you today is a model of prayer that I instituted in the 21 days last year. And when Pastor Ryan asked me to teach, I was like, it, I, I, just, I just geeked out a little bit. I was like, I want to I share this with you because it's been transformational for me. It, it's, it's changed my prayer life. And I'm not saying that this is a formula or if you do it like me, then you'll be, no, no, no. It, like, but but I, just, I just want us to feel more equipped. I want us to put some practical handles on prayer because I, I, I've sat in the seat for years and people would talk about like, oh, I spent an hour with the Lord. I'm like, an hour? I was like, Lord, here's this. Thanks for that. Can I get this? All righty, we're, on, we're, on, we're off. You know, like it's 30 seconds and we got it. And, and, and it's not to say that like length means anything. Jesus clears that up in the Gospels. He's like, you don't need to drone on and on and use all these fancy words. He wants your heart. But what I, I hope we communicate today is this particular model of prayer just, just brings your heart so close to Jesus. And, and this particular model we're going to look at is what's called the tabernacle prayer. And I, 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 I say it's the tabernacle prayer because it, it goes from step to step. There's, there's pieces of furniture, and we'll get all into all of that, that uh, were placed in front of and inside of what was called the tabernacle. Um, and I, I just, before we do that, let's put up the picture real quick. This is the tabernacle, okay? Obviously, we, they didn't have cameras back then, so we don't have a real shot. But this is the best we could do. Uh, we followed the instructions. We put a drawing up there. Um, as you can see here, there's, there's several unique elements, and we're going to talk about all of them. But in Exodus is where the, the, the plans for the tabernacle are found. Moses brings the people out of Egypt, out of slavery and bondage. And God says to him in Exodus 25, hey, make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among my people. Make this tabernacle, it's just a tent of dwelling, and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. So Moses and God have this conversation. He says, hey, I, I want to dwell among you. Like, I, I've not saved you out of Egypt. I've not brought you into new life and given you freedom to then just leave. No, 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 I, I want to have relationship with you. And, and so he says, I, I want my presence to dwell amongst you, but there's going to be some stipulations to that. There's going to be a way that that has to happen. And so what he says is, is Moses set up this, this tabernacle, this tent of meeting or dwelling. And in Exodus 33, we see this, and this is, this is my heart for you all today. It says that the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And then Moses would return, but his young aide Joshua did not leave the tent. My, my prayer for you this morning is that you leave here with some sort of practical handle, some, some sort of deeper understanding revelation, so you can have a prayer life where God is your friend and that you don't want to leave. Like, like not because you don't like your job and you don't want to go to work, but like you're there in the morning and you're praying and you're like, I, I, I don't want to go anywhere. Like, oh, I, I have to go, you know? And, and so that's my heart for you this morning. And I'm going to get really practical and I'm going to share with you some of the things that I pray and, and, and how I structure it. And again, not for you to copy me, like, but because we need a plan. Because when we get in there and we don't have a plan, right, this is the tent of meeting. You ever been in a meeting where there's no plan? You're like, get me out of here. I'm wasting my time. This could have been an email. I, I don't want that for your prayer life. I want your prayer life to be a revelation. 
I want you to, to approach God and have deep, intimate friendship with him in the tent of meeting. So let's pray and invite the Holy Spirit in, and hopefully uh, what we share this morning is a blessing to you. God, we're just so thankful for who you are. You are worthy above all, and we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the cross that makes a way where there is no way. Father, and we just pray right now, Father, that you would just purify everything I'm sharing, that what's supposed to come forth would, that we would hear and receive every revelation that we're supposed to, and that by your spirit, we would seek you today and find you. Lord, I just pray that the word of God would go forth, that your Holy Spirit would move, that we would be honoring and glorifying of your name, and that you would meet us right where we're at. Every single need, every single care, you would show up and you would make yourself known. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I, I, I want to share with you, uh, like I said, we're, we're talking tabernacle, so we can put it back up there. And very quickly, we're going to talk about this particular thing. There's very specific instructions. If you want to read through Exodus, at the end of Exodus, it's all about the tabernacle and all the different pieces and how it's supposed to be put together. It's very exhaustive to the measurement and the colors and the designs and the types of things. And then we jump in right into Leviticus, and it's like, all right, well, here's how you use it right? Here's the user manual. Here's how you get in my presence. And so this particular uh, tabernacle has the outer curtain, right? So you would walk through the curtain into the court, and then you would be facing this massive uh, uh, um, altar. This is where sacrifices would be offered, that blood would be shed on the altar. And then in between the altar and the tent of meeting would be this thing called the laver. It's just a a big bowl uh, filled with water, and, and inside of it was mirrors, and so you would go to the laver, and this is where you would wash and cleanse. The, the priests would, before they go into the tent, they would wash their hands and feet. And then you would go into the tent, and inside of the tent, there was three pieces of furniture. You had a menorah or, or a lampstand that was always lit, always on fire. And then that, was, that would be on the south side. And then on the north side, on the right, would be the table of showbread. So there would be a little table with some pieces of bread on it, 12 pieces. And then right in front of you at the back, at the the edge of another veil or curtain, was an altar of incense. It had special uh, perfumes that would go on it, and little smoke would rise up continuously. And then behind that curtain is probably the piece of furniture most people are familiar with, with the tabernacle, which is the Ark of the Covenant, because of Raiders of the Lost Ark. And we all know Harrison Ford, and that's, that's it. That's the thing. So that ark, it was just a little box, but it was all all laid over with solid gold. On top of it, there was a lid, and that lid had two angels facing each other on it. And on that lid was where the presence of God would dwell. It was called the mercy seat. And so once a year, a priest would go past that second curtain and go into the back, and he would offer up a sacrifice for all the sins of the people one time a year, the Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippur, uh, if, if you, you know, see that on your calendar and the app, and you're like, what is that day? That's the day. That's what it is. So uh, we're going to jump right into it, but the, the first three stations are kind of grouped together, and so we're going to talk about the first one. The first one is the outer court, the outer court, and, and the way that God instructs his people to enter the outer court is with thanksgiving and praise. And I, I think that so often, and, and hear me, you're not doing anything wrong if, if you say a prayer to God and you just jump right in your, God, I need you right now in this area right now. You know, if you get a report, you get that text from a friend, you're like, God, I, can you just show up for this? There's nothing wrong with that. But I just want to encourage you that there, there is a way when we're talking about the God of the universe who spoke and then nothing became something. 
and who, who sits in heaven, surrounded by creatures, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and will forever be. And I would just, I would just venture to say that I am not at all worthy to walk into his presence and only can boldly do so, according to Hebrews, by the power of Jesus. And so let me just take a moment and acknowledge when I come out of the Israelite camp that would have surrounded this tabernacle tent and I walk through that first curtain into the outer court, I'm just, I'm just a little bit closer to the presence of God and let me mark that with my words. Let me, let me say, God, I'm so thankful for you. I don't deserve to be even this close to your presence, but you are worthy. You are holy. What does it say in Psalm 100, verse 4? Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. We're going to see this morning, there's tabernacle language all over the Bible. It's everywhere because Jesus and God, they desire to dwell amongst you. They want presence with you. And, and so what does Paul say? He's echoing the same thing as the psalmist in verse 100. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. This is tabernacle language. He said, come before the Lord with thanksgiving. When you walk through that gate, you've got something to be thankful for because you know on the other side of your struggle is the presence of God. He's made a way. He, he's, he's decided to insert himself into your story. And so, how could we not come through the outer gate and into his courts with thanksgiving and praise? The second piece of furniture, the first thing that you see is what's called the brazen altar. It's this, this big altar. Uh, it, was, it was bronze, it was brazen. Um, and it, it was where you would put the sacrifice for it to be lit on fire and be offered up to God. And there's a bunch of different offerings, and that's a whole nother, that might be a series, not a message. Uh, but before we get into all of this, I just want you to know that the, the purpose of the altar was the shedding of blood because God tells us in his word that the, the, the life is in the blood and where there is sin and darkness, life has to cover over that. And so an animal at this time that was blameless was offered up to cover over my sin. And we know on the other side of the cross that Jesus was that perfect sacrifice on the cross. And so as you give thanksgiving in your prayer, I, I, then I go straight into just remembering the cross and saying, Lord, my salvation rests on the altar. Like, like, like Jesus, like it all stops here if not for you. Like this is as far as I get without his blood. And, and so I, I pray different verses, and I, I meditate and dwell on the cross, and I just, I just want to pause. I just want to linger. I just want to say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for being perfect. I, I know how easy it is to be imperfect, and yet you spent your whole life, and then on the cross, for the joy set before you, you endured the pain, and I just keep thinking like, I was that joy. I don't deserve that. Thank you, Jesus. And I, I just spend time there thinking about the cross and the forgiveness of sins. And, and at that point, I might even say, like, God, these are sins that you're bringing to my heart as I'm even thinking and meditating on this. Please forgive me of this. 
please let, let me lay this at your feet. Renew, restore me. I love it in First in John. Um, John's so funny. He says, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, <laughs> like who does John know? I'm, a, I'm not a but if you sin person. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And, and, and part of this idea, this, this altar idea and this sacrifice is communicated by, by Paul a step further. And I would challenge us to sit and maybe dwell on this at another time, but in Romans 12, 1 and 2, he, he says this, he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is tabernacle language. He's saying, just as Jesus gave himself for you, I want you to offer up all of yourself to him. Just as a burnt offering, would just the fragrance and the aroma would go up to heaven. All of it would be consumed in honor and glory to him. Be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. People ask me, what is God's will for my life? And Paul answers it right here. His, his life is for you to give up your life, or his will for you is to give up your life, to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, to meditate on this, this, this altar imagery and saying like, no, my, my life is an offering to you, all of me. We, we, we come to the next piece of furniture. This is the last piece in the outer court. We've got the, the entrance and we've got the altar and then we have what's called the laver. And the laver was just a big, a big basin, a big urn filled with water. And the women of Israel actually donated and decorated these mirrors on the inside of it. And so it's this place that the priests would come after they sacrificed on the altar and they would wash their hands and feet. And I think in, in my time of prayer, I go, Lord, it's, it's time for you to purify some things. I'm, 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 metaphorically, I'm washing my hands and feet before you. And, and as I'm doing that, I'm looking at me in the mirrors of the laver. And, and so what the laver represents as we pray is, is to invite God to purify every area of my life. And, and, and I, 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 I have a whole list in my journal of things. And every once, when I get a new journal, I update it. It's in the back. It's like five pages of stuff that I've, you just accumulate because you read and you learn and you, you grow, you get revelation. And I'm like, God, purify my eyes that I would only look at things that are pleasing to you. Purify my heart. God, soften me to the things that I think would bug me, but that are opportunities you're bringing to me. You, you purify my hands and feet. I only want to go where you want me to go, and I want to put my hands to the things that you approve of. Purify my ears and my, my, my mind that I would only subject myself to listening to things that are glorifying to you, that I would take every thought captive. God, please renew my mind. We see David say this in Psalm 139. He says, search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Man, you have that scripture written right there in the middle of your prayer plan. That's, that's a... That's a next level prayer right there. We see in James, Jesus' brother, after the resurrection, James is encouraging. He's saying, come near to God and he will come near to you. How does this happen? Wash your hands. It's tabernacle language. Think, they're thinking of this labor and they're thinking, man, no, purify yourself before God. Examine yourself 
in that, that mirror. Purify your hearts before God, and then he will come near to you. So in, in this, these first three areas, as I'm praying, it's, it's really a lot of preparation. It's a lot of reflection. It's like a God take care of me before I enter into your presence type thing. And then we, we peel back that curtain and we go into the front of the tent, the first half, which is called the holy place. And the first thing that would catch our eye is the lampstand, this menorah. It's this big lampstand, several feet high. It's got seven uh, little lights there. It was continuously lit by clear, fine, 100% virgin olive oil, right? Just what you find at the store, not that. Um, And so these second three areas, I think, are an opportunity to uniquely pray to each one of the Godhead. We believe that God is three in one and one in three. There's, a, there's a, a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that menorah, that fire, represented the Spirit of God. And so then what I begin to pray in, in my quiet time is to allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate my next steps. God, like, wherever I go, I just want to go there with your Spirit, God. Like, and, and I pray over different gifts of the Spirit, like in, in the New Testament, a lot of the writers of the New Testament, especially Paul, almost exclusively Paul, uh, writes a lot on the Spirit of God and the different giftings. And in, in 2 Timothy and in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, and you could put up that slide of all the lists of the Scriptures, Romans 8, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, these are all areas where God uh, reveals through Paul as an author the different ways that you can be living a Spirit-led life. And there's three main areas that you can pray for. There's, there's speaking gifts, there's power gifts, and there's mind gifts. And, and this is what Isaiah prophesies in Isaiah 11. He's speaking about Jesus, the Messiah, to come. And he says in Isaiah 11, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, of counsel and might, knowledge and fear of the Lord. I, I pray over those things. Oh, God, please give me wisdom and understanding. Please give me, and you could just sit here and, and just ask the Holy Spirit, God, what are, you, what are you, by your Spirit, what are you trying to tell me right now? And, and it's so uncomfortable at first. Like, but you just got to commit. And I love like just the 1% better uh, idea of like, all right, I'm just going to, I'm going to ask and I'm going to just sit for a minute today or 30 seconds or whatever you can do. And, and even if you have like those thoughts flood your mind of like, oh, uh, oh, i got to pick up that thing from the grocery store. Have a journal next to you. Just write it down and get it out of your head. Okay, I'll remember it for later. All right, God, I, what are you trying to teach me right now? What are you trying to show me in this situation? In this thing that I, I don't know where, where it is. And, and part of the intimate conversation, speaking face-to-face with God as a friend, is not just talking. It's making space to listen. And there will be little whispers and little small voices and little nudgings and thoughts and verses will pop up or you get a picture of something or whatever. And, and then just write it down. Just, just be journaling. Have, have something there and you can say, hmm, I wonder what that means. And then pray about it some more. Talk to people and say, hey, what do you think about this? In the Bible all the time people are getting visions and dreams, whatever. And you know what they don't do? They don't just dwell on it and sit on it and keep it secret. They go say, hey, like, hey I had this dream. What do you think this means? Go talk to people who give you spiritual counsel. But we just pray the Spirit of God. David prays this in Psalm 51. He says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. So praying purity, right? That washing, that cleansing. 
But God, do not cast your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation. Honestly, this particular place, this, this menorah, and, and, and really how we can begin to kind of establish where we see God moving in our lives in this area is in Galatians, where uh, Paul says, hey, these are the fruits of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is, is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things like this, there's no law. And so if, if you want to live a Spirit-led life, just take every area of your life and be like, all right, was this, am I being loving here? Or is there peace here? Or am I being faithful? Is this good for me? You know, like those are the things where, where God's spirit is moving. You will find that stuff. And I love this idea of forbearance too. It, it, for years it's been translated as patience, but a lot of modern versions are changing that. Forbearance means the, the action of holding back what's legally available to you. Like this idea that God could, if he wanted to, treat me the way I deserve which is eternal separation from him. But by the Spirit, he, he abstains. He refrains from ex- exercising his legal right and doesn't enforce the payment of death. That, that's the Spirit of God. Is no, let me cover that with grace. Let, let me enter into his presence and be just covered in grace. To the right, because the menorah would be on your left, on the right-hand side, there would be a little table up against the wall with 12 little pieces of bread. And this is the table of show bread, or the bread of the presence is what it's called in some places. And um, this is representative of his word. And this is another place where as I'm in his presence and I'm praying and I'm, I'm just seeking him, I might just even pause and set it down and just go read whatever Bible plan I'm doing for that day. Because the bread is him. It is Jesus. As the, as the lamp and the fire was his spirit, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 4, it's written, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And in John 6, we see him declare, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Again, more tabernacle language. Jesus is talking to an audience. He's trying to encourage them with, with things that they understand and know. And he's saying, you've got to pursue God's word. I love this in Psalm 119, which is a beautiful psalm. The whole thing's about his word. It says, if your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. But I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have preserved my life. The table, his, his word, it sustains me. Like, it, it, it's, it's just, it's, just it, what, it's what keeps me going. Because it's true and it's pure. And, and the way it does that is, is twofold. In Hebrews 4, we get this, and I love this language. The word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. Penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. We read in Jeremiah, our hearts are not where they should be. And the word of God will examine that. And there's times where he'll encourage us and lift us up. And there are times where he would say like, hey, I love you. And because I love you, we've got to carve this out. And reading his word and getting in his truth and not my truth helps me understand, okay, like I I can let this go for you, Lord. Or I'm not going to be offended by this because it's your word and you know what's best. You created me and so I'm not going to try to do the reverse and tell you what I need to do. I'm just going to accept 
that you know better. Ephesians, it says, put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, the only offensive weapon in the armor of God is the Word of God. And and what Jesus uses as being tempted by the devil is the Word of God. And so, God, help me to just, that's why I love the 21 days of prayer and fasting, because normally I just don't watch, uh, stream anything, no social media, nothing. It's just a total soul fast, because I just want to feed on his word. Like, I, I want to have something from God in my head for every situation, so that no matter what report comes or what happens or where I'm at, and, and there's been times in my life when certain verses I've just up on the mirror at home in the bathroom or in the car or right next to my phone in the office or different places. And I just, I just like, I just need that word right now. And so I'm going to force it into me, whether I like it or not, because I know deep down my soul needs your word. It sustains me. And so just as we have experiences and moments with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus, the altar of incense at the back of the holy place against the veil separating the holy place from the most holy place is the altar of incense. And the altar of incense was continually burning and sending up incense. There's, there's imagery all over the Bible in Revelation. His incense is, is shown as prayers up to God. But this special perfume, right, is worshiping and lifting up his mighty name. And, and really, there's really only two things that are, that are uh, offered up to God in the form of, of, of prayer and praise or sacrifice, and it's those things. It's, it's when I'm sacrificing or when I'm worshiping, God is at the center of my thought life and my process here. And so at the altar of incense, as I'm at that third station inside that holy place, I'm just praying. And I, I, I preached a message on this, I think it was in October, where we put all the names of God. But that's a time for me where I just say, God, I need you to be Jehovah Jireh. I, you, you tell me that you're a provider and I need provision here. Or you're, you tell me here you're Jehovah Shalom. I need your peace. Or you're Elohim, God Almighty. Father, I, I know I don't have the strength to do this thing, but I know you are almighty, all powerful. You can do this thing. And so I have all those names listed in my journal. And I can just lift them up. And a lot of times, this is where I'll pause, and I have little playlists that are covenant uh, tabernacle prayer playlists, so it'll be a, a song of praise, and then a song about Jesus and the blood, and then a song about purifying myself, and a song about, the, and, and for every single, and so I'll just play that, and I'll just worship. I'll just put it on the TV, or put on, you know, put it on my phone, and get playing, and just, just listen sometimes. Sometimes I need to sing, and I need to confess it with my mouth, but I'm just lifting up worship, because what else have I got? Psalm 141, it's another Psalm of David. I I hope at this point we know why it says he was a man after God's own heart. We've looked at everything he's written. Um, May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. Again, more tabernacle language, that burnt offering that went up every morning and every evening. Paul says this in the Colossians. I think this is really rich. Um, Again, more tabernacle language. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So again, we see that thankfulness. We see the Holy Spirit. We see worship. 
Everything I'm doing, Father, let it be a fragrant incense to you. Let it be worship in your eyes. Whether it's doing this task at work or the way that I treat my family or the conversation that I have or the money I'm investing here or whatever, I just want it to be an offering to you. I want it to, I want it to just please you. And then lastly, one day a year, we would have the high priest pull back the veil and we would go into the most holy place and we'd see the Ark of the Covenant. And, and there, we, there'd be two sacrifices. Or, well, not really sacrifices. There'd be two uh, rams and one of them would get sacrificed and his blood would be placed on the mercy seat and the other one would be sent out of the camp with the sins of the people on it. And we know that Jesus did both of those things. He took all of our sins upon him, he who was blameless, and he shed his blood on the cross. And so fulfilling this atonement sacrifice that we all needed, he shed his blood and the veil was torn so that we can have direct access to the Father, so that we can encounter the presence of God that would dwell on the mercy seat just like it did with the Ark of the Covenant. And so what I want us to leave here understanding is that there is mercy and grace in his presence. But there, there, there can be, with this journey through the tabernacle prayer, such a rich process and, and journey of getting there. And, and you, you might have a day where it's just, you know, I'm giving thanks to God and I, I need to go right to the mercy seat and, and intercede. That's what the priest was doing. He was sprinkling the blood of a blameless lamb to make intercession for the people. That's a fancy word to say, like, it was standing in the gap. It was filling in the gap that was between God and his people because of their uncleanness, because of their sin, because of their moral failure. And now Jesus stands in the gap and sits at the right hand of the Father and intercedes for us. And so there's this beautiful language in Second Chronicles. It's, it's like, God, how do we get this mercy and grace? How do we wrestle with this? And it says uh, this, if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. I will heal their land. Thank you so much for joining us on the Local City Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow it to go deeply into your heart. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Local City Church. Your generosity makes this podcast possible and creates life change for so many people. You can be a part of spreading this message by going to localcity.church give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this message with your family and friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. Have a great day.